0: From India's largest newsroom, I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast.
1: I've seen Adi Purush movie. If you're left or yeah, right, wing, you're right.
0: You're watching the movie.
1: The
0: film Adi Purush, which is based on the Ramayan, has been facing brickbats since its release on the 16th of June. One aspect of the film that's been targeted incessantly is the dialogue writing. That dialogue from the character Hanuman and many others have been changed to try and end the outrage. However, the criticism has continued, with even the Allahabad High Court weighing in. Actor Arun Govil, who portrayed Lord Ram in the and Sagar TV show in the 1980s, hadn't seen the film when he was interviewed, but was a little less scathing in his opinion. Overall, it Manoj Muntashir, who's the dialogue writer of the film, attempted to explain the use of more colloquial turns of
1: phrase. <laughs> Author and
0: mythologist Devdutt Patnaik, however, might have an explanation for why the dialogues were so badly received. He says an epic like the Ramayana is expected to evoke certain emotions and if the portrayal fails to achieve that, it's not going to be spared by an audience. In today's episode, Devdutt is in conversation with Jairaj Singh and me about what went wrong with the latest retelling of the timeless Ramayana. We talk about why Indian epics don't make for very good superhero films and the problem with trying to retell our epics to fit certain templates. Devdutt, we're seeing a lot of criticism for new films that have been coming out about our myths and our gods and uh, a recent film recently really got it over the way how gods speak in it. Um, What is it about God speaking in a familiar way, almost like you and I talk in regular conversations that turns us off so much about it? You
1: see, it's about the notion of epic storytelling. You know, around the world, every culture has something called an epic storytelling. And what is an epic? It is a story about larger than life characters. None of them are ordinary. They're not you and me. Even if there is a minor character in the film, he's larger than life. And especially in India, when you talk about Ramayana and Mahabharata, of course, are the popular ones. But there are folk narratives. For example, if you were to present a legend of Chhatrapati Shivaji Maharaj in Maharashtra or if you're going to tell the story of krishna devaraya any of these characters uh, you know you want this larger than life image and that's what happens when they walk into the room the way they speak um the diction and there is this thing about in india about language we value language a lot god speaks sanskrit it's a very big thing that the language of the gods is sanskrit and it's arya bhasha the language of the noble people and therefore Uh, even when, uh, you know, you have television serials on the Mahabharata, they use words like Pita Shri and Mata Shri, or you create new words, which sort of elevate the conversation to a different plane. And I think that is what you expect from epic characters. Even if I'm doing a film, say on Jesus Christ, or some, you know, there's this film called Jesus Christ Superstar, somebody did it, people found it disrespectful but the aim was to be disrespectful they were not trying to be a respectful story but if you are making a film like if you're seeing uh, passion of the christ where aramaic is used and just by using aramaic or hebrew you make the sound so different that it look grand everything sounds grand and i think that is what you expect there is something called high language that is expected in epic characters epic stories
0: Even with the Jesus Christ Superstar or even a more sort of popular retelling of epics, the reason you use the more colloquial language is also to sort of get the message to connect with an audience that may not be familiar with it, right? Jesus, I am overjoyed to meet you face to face. You've been getting quite a name all around the place. It just connects better with audiences that may not know the Sanskritized words that they are expected to in some ways. And therefore, you spread the message while sticking to their
1: language. So it's not just language, it's also content. How will you speak? In any language, there's something called a graceful language. Uh, there is a, a civilized language, there is the refined language, there is a barbaric language, there is a pedestrian language. If epic characters start talking pedestrian language, they stop being epic. You strip them of their epic aura, It's also the words that you use, the words when you're referring to your parents. or it's the way we talk. Like when I'm talking to my father and mother, I'll talk very differently. When I talk to my friend, I'll talk very differently. When I'm on stage, the conversations are so different. Nobody talks the way Shakespeare, but we need that dialogue because it's a performance. And we are not pretending it's a documentary. We know very well, you know, when you see a lot of the rings, when you see the grand epic, uh, you know, the... Even when you're seeing some of the shows on TV, the way the dialogues are told, it's all done, you know, theatrical, dramatic, and you want to evoke those emotions. It's not just the dialogue. Tulsidas writes the Ramayana, he knows that he's not writing in Sanskrit. He was criticized for it. How dare you write it in Avadhi, in Avadhi language, the local language, but he did not Compromise on the quality of the meter, the quality of the words. His poetry is considered to be Ramcharitmana's poetry is considered to be sophisticated. When you talk about Kamban's Ramayana, again, it's considered very good Tamil, the way it is presented. Krittibasa Ramayana is very folkish. Um, If you see, Saraladas Mahabharat is also very folk, but there's reverence when he talks about the divine. There is a kind of, a although it's folksy to connect to the people, but whenever the divine comes, there's a kind of a description of grandeur that accompanies what is called Adbhut Ras. The Adbhut Ras is about the feeling of awe and you should feel this awesomeness when you feel these characters. And I think these are things that play a very important role, especially when you're telling an epic tale.
2: Um, Deirdre, we are now seeing in, in this so-called new India, um, this attempt to redo the epics, to, to take fresh inspiration from our epics. Um, we've seen this in this new film and we've also seen it in films like RRR where, where you're seeing Ramayana being adopted. Where do you feel is this this fine line between what is acceptable and then not
1: unacceptable? I think ultimately it's the audience which decides what is acceptable because we should be careful. Sensor boards are deciding what is acceptable. There are spiritual leaders and mahants who are deciding what is acceptable. Please understand our sensor board is perfectly fine if a man slaps a woman. They think it's perfectly fine, but they get very disturbed if a woman is pleasuring herself. So that tells you a lot about these kind of various what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, if you are doing a Ramba and an Urvashi, who is a apsara and a damsel who is meant to seduce you and enchant you, they are all epic magical characters. What kind of conversation would they speak? Would they be like talk like a bar dancer? Will that be acceptable? Just because they are uh, courtesans and celestial courtesans, ultimately the audience decides whether they feel it's elevating them. There is Kalyukka Ramayana, you can do Mahabharat Garme, those kind of things people have played with these re-imagining. But what is happening with the current generation of um, uh, filmmakers and storytellers is too eager to be famous. And there there is no homework done. They actually do not know the epics. They are they are uh, telling Ramayan story in a it's almost like a revenge drama. Because that's what gets you the ratings, right? And I know because I've worked with film people. I mean, I know in corporate setups, people think Krishna's Gita is basically a motivational speech to make more money. You know, go and kill your enemy. I'm going to, it's like a brave heart telling you, go and kill your enemy. And I'm like, that's not what the Gita is about. Or if Ram is fighting Ravan, it's not that you may, you know, you've taken my wife away and I want back. The conversations are larger than just the simple act of attacking Lanka to recover Sita. It's not a Hindi film revenge drama. Remember, these are called traditionally Pancham Ved, the fifth Vedas. They're trying to communicate Vedic ideas through Rama and Mahabharata. What are these Vedic ideas? Can we make a list of those? I don't see these filmmakers even interested in those ideas. They 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 use the right words uh but they don't understand these words Natishastra talks about it does it come from the soul do you know what you're saying or are you just performing the quality of dialogue catches all those things what does a shakespearean actor bring to the table the intonations the kind of a in depth i mean otherwise you wouldn't have such subjects like dramatics and uh, natyashastra how do you become ram on stage How do you become Krishna on stage? I remember somebody once telling me, Jatayu or Ravan ka chase scene bhoat acha ho sakta hai. Now, when you talk that language, then you are like, okay, interesting. This is, you know, uh, because I said, what are you trying to evoke through that? And he doesn't get it when I'm asking this question. Because when Valmiki is trying to evoke something, they want you to feel what it means to be abducted. Ajatayu is someone who's not interested. He has no, inv- Ra- Sita is no relation of his. But he, the fact that he is spreading his wings and trying to block Ravan, um, why would you do that? the ability to help someone whom you don't know. And that has to be elevated. Now these ideas, if you tell this, I can see the Bollywood guy looking at you in a very strange and peculiar way, because he's like, okay, how will this get me uh, more seats in the auditorium? Because he's, focused on box office, right? He's not focused on elevating the soul and the spirit. When Tulsidas, Ramay- Tulsidas is writing the Ramayana, he's not talking about box office. He's not talking about ROI. He's talking about how do I elevate the soul of my audience? When Ra- Valmiki is writing it, he, you know, it says, shok se shlok nikla. That's the original line, how uh, Ramayana was, came to be written. From sorrow came poetry. From pain came poetry. He's not saying, when I say this, 500 people will come and I'll get a super hit show and I'll get an Oscar. The intention of the Ramayana is to communicate the fifth Vedas, right? Hindutva is not interested in the fifth Vedas. They're interested in Rashtra. It's a political agenda. It has nothing to do with the elevation of the soul. It's nothing to do with Jivatma, Paramatma, the elevation of humanity, being kind, generous, noble, aristocratic, august. These are not the agendas, either of the politician or their sponsored filmmakers or dialogue writers or directors. What does Hanuman represent? they say, Ravan Shiv Bhakt tha, something like that. I said, what does it mean? And for them, Shiv Bhakt is wearing ash and sitting in front and doing some poses. And I'm like, that's performance. What does it mean? What are you trying to communicate? Why is Valmiki making his villain a Shiv Bhakt? Why is he insisting that my villain shall be a Brahmin? those are questions to be asked. Why is a golden deer important for Valmiki? Why does he not use a golden goose? What is special about the deer? And there is a lot of thought gone into it. Now, it's not random. Uh, But um, if you tell this, then this, oh, they're intellectualizing it. But it is intellectual. It is philosophical. It is spiritual. That's why the Nautanki and Natashastra are always separated. One appeals to the audience, and one appeals to the soul. What do you want to appeal to? Is the question. you have seeing
2: um, a very marvelization of um, of this, of Ram right now. You know, with with CGI, with Ravan looking like a you know modern day um, you know Kilji in a sense and this is seems to be like an extension of of the ram that we suddenly started seeing in the late 80s early 90s in india when he suddenly started sporting a trishul a sword and an axe he was looking angry and yet toned i wanted to ask you is has has you know has this uh, reinterpretation of ram been constant
1: through the ages no this is a new phenomena you see uh, the irony of the Hindutva movement is they say we want to decolonize India, but it's a project of colonization. Uh, The Western mind says the world is made of, you. they use the word evil, right? You can't translate the word evil in any Indian language. You cannot translate it. This whole idea of vampires, zombies, bats being evil. These are not Indian ideas. These are Western ideas. The fact that you make Pushpak Viman as a bat because the West says bat is equal to zombie is equal to evil and black color is evil. You are using Western tropes you have created this binary world of god and the devil or good and bad angels and demons and that's a very western trope which you are now putting into ramayana rama ravan is never considered evil he's considered to be an egomaniac but egomaniac is not evil egomaniac is an egomaniac the concept of evil doesn't exist in hinduism it doesn't exist in buddhism how do you explain this to the filmmakers of bollywood i mean they do it's a, it's a complex idea for them Ramanan Sagar was very clear. He said, I will not mess with Tulsi's Ram Charitmanas. He had seen the Ram Leela. He knew the Tulsi Ram Charitmanas. And if you look carefully at Ramanan Sagar, he is... His presence in the story is minimal in in the sense of he selected the actors and all that. But he's very sensitive to the Ramlila traditions of North India. He's very familiar with Ramcharitmanas, and he doesn't really mess with that. And he's familiar with the vocabulary on stage. That's why it evokes that, you know, Mangala Bhavana and all these lines immediately. What is Mangala Bhavana? What does it mean? I mean, I ask people, what does it mean? Please ask, tell me, what does it mean? And they don't know what they mean. They said, it's auspicious imagination, auspicious creation of space. I'm now creating an auspicious space by narrating the Ramayana. These are very complex ideas. I think the great respect I have for Ramanan Sagar is because he said, this is traditional. I will not play with it. These guys don't understand tradition. And they are now taking Marvel. They're so enamored by the white skin and Hollywood that they have so much less respect for India. They think that if I become like the white man, I will get respect. And that's where it comes from. The fact that you have put a bat in Pushpak Viman, when in most art forms, it's a swan or some bird, or you you can look at the Jain art, which shows Vimanas all the time. And these are swans and parrots and peacocks and Indian birds. It's never a bat. Golden Lanka becomes black, charcoal black. It shows the Western idea, of the go- the forts of Mordor. It's a Lord of the Rings, which is Tolkien, which is based on Viking mythology, Celtic mythology. You're showing Vanavas. It looks like a picnic spot. It's like a romantic spot. Vanavas is terror of the forest, but nobody loves you. Nobody cares for you. That is what Valmiki is trying to evoke. That has not been evoked, so it's not the Raman anymore. It's some some magical thing, and. Hindutva project is Hindu rashtra. It's very strongly based on Islamophobia. We know that they have no bones about it. Um, so you have to show your villain eating meat because somehow meat eating is evil. And therefore Ravad has to eat meat and people got upset that how can a Brahmin eat meat? I saw one of the memes going around that how can a Brahmin eat meat? But Brahmins eat meat all the time around India, in many parts of India, northern uh, you know, fish is consumed by the coastal Brahmins, especially fish is consumed. Um, you have these things, but you can't talk about these things right nowadays this imaginary vegetarian brahminism hinduism is being uh, proposed it's a valid political agenda and you want to use it as a political strategy and a propaganda film make it and therefore they're appropriating rama and ram and everybody, and they're trying to create some mishmash of the worldview, but it's not Ramayana anymore. It's not Valmiki's Ramayana. It's not Tulsi Ramayana. It's not Kamban Ramayana. It's not Basa Ramayana, all of whom were very clear. They're telling the story of the Vedas. They're telling the story of Vishnu. They're telling the story of an avatar on earth. It's about Uddhar. It's about the soul. It's about ego. It's about pride, arrogance. Um, those None of those things matter in these uh, modern retellings. I don't think they're interested in Ramayana at all. Um, Sita's dialogues are silly and, you know, uh, Hanuman is like this. There is this kind of a schizophrenic behavior. They, They talk funnily and they'll say, but he's very educated. Educated people talk in a particular way. That's what it means when you say you're educated. So there has to be a correlation between description, behavior, projection, but I somehow feel this has become complex ideas because they're too eager, as I said, to be successful. Unfortunately, Ramayan doesn't allow for Islamophobia. It's not part of the story at all. I remember somebody saying that Ravan ko mein people will start hating him. And I'm like, but that's not what Valmiki is trying to do at all. He's just showing a man who is self-obsessed and narcissistic that he's destroying his own family in his pursuit. It's almost Shakespearean ideas. Um, you know, these very complex emotions. And it's not Shakespeare. Shakespeare doesn't deal with divinity. It doesn't deal with God. So it's not even Shakespeare. It's another level above that because the idea of God doesn't exist in Shakespeare. What is divinity? What is avatar? What is Vishnu? Uh, what does it mean to be Sita? What does it mean to be Hanuman? It's our, uh, not easy
2: ideas. You've been writing on mythology for years now, but there seems to be this sudden new interest in Ramayana, the epics. It is as if um, they need to be now f- freshly explained. But do you, who do you think um, these creators are sort of pandering to? Is it to this new interest in the epics or this is pandering to the general political framework that India is in today?
1: There are two things at one level globally around the world, and it started roughly with the writings of J.K. Rowling's and the rise of Harry Potter. There was a general interest in the fantasy genre. Indians obviously came up saying that we have our own epics and let's tell it. But those are heroic narratives told with a particular different style of storytelling. Indian storytelling is not heroic. Now, in this situation, the politicians come in with a very clear agenda of creating a Hinduashtra, and they want enemies. So, this confusion at one level, they are, they want to they have an agenda and a vision statement. So, they have to now take the Ramayana and reframe the Ramayan in such a way that Sita becomes Bharat ki beti. And therefore it now becomes a patriotic narrative where Ram is going to fight for India and Ravan becomes a, the foreigner, the other, the outsider. So that's one agenda. The second is the world is full of Marvel comics. So now I have to also add another layer of Marvel, Marvelization, Disneyfication of the storytelling, right, wrong, black, white narrative. At one level, there is the political ideological agenda then there is this commercial Disneyfication, which the market wants. The children want to hear the Marvel part, so that's the audience desire. There is a politician's desire, and poor Valmiki is sitting down there wondering. But neither of these is my agenda, right? Valmiki not doesn't care about Marvel and Disney. These epics were not designed for. They don't care for it. It was not a hero myth because I know that Western scholars have tried to make Ramayana a hero myth. It is not a hero myth. Um, uh, A hero myth is where a hero goes through transformation. He goes from crisis to catharsis and all these things happen. Ramayana, while there is a crisis, there is no catharsis. Ram is always shown as having very calm and composed. He breaks down when he's separated from Sita. But his demeanor and mannerisms of someone who's super confident who is uh, not going through some dramatic change now the you know the japanese ramayana which is the famous film, uh, animation band does t- turn ram into a hero come on, come on, ram shut kare So, then, ravan shut oh. karo And you can see the Japanese have rewritten to make it sound like he's going through a transformation, but that's not what a Nayak is supposed to do in Natishastra. He's Vishnu on earth. He knows who he's dealing with. He knows what he's dealing with. He's dealing with people who are egomaniacs and he's working with these people. He's working with monkeys and bears and birds um he's dealing with jealous mothers ambitious mothers he's dealing with faithful wives he's dealing with gossipy people he's dealing with um sages he's dealing with women with lust and he's surrounded by all these strange things so the the structure of the narrative is very different the whole idea that i can get monkeys to build a bridge i can get uh, animals to be selfless um, I can demand contractual obligations have to be fulfilled when Sugreev does not fulfill contractual obligations. Why is he not choosing the strong Wali? And there is a dialogue in this film where you can actually see the filmmakers do not understand why Ram is choosing Sugreev over Vali, Because what does Vali rep? It's not about might is right. Please understand the politician believes in might and right, but Raman is the opposite of might and right. So the politician's agenda and Raman's agenda are opposites of each other. Most politicians want to be Ravan. They aspire to be Ravan. The rule breaker, the one who gets away with anything, who lives in a golden palace, who has a private jet, who can force other men's wives to be his own. This is a politician's dream. Ram is not a politician's dream. He is a totem to be used to become exactly what the Ramayana is saying you should not become. How do you explain this to politicians? I mean, if you speak to them, they will just sort of rebuff you or maybe send their agents behind you. So you keep quiet.
0: One thing that's common to, again, all all the American superheroes and that sort of superhero idea, like you said, one is that you sort of go through this arc of redemption, crisis and things. The other is the fact that the villain almost always wants to take over the world. There is nothing short of that. There is always that or destroy the world. Why don't our myths or why don't myths typically have villains who seem to want to do that? Why don't,
1: why do they limit their sort of ambitions at a very practical level? See, that's an American thing, right? It's an American storytelling. Um, These are based on biblical narratives whether it's Harry Potter, whether it's Lord of the Rings, whether it's Marvel, whether it's Disney, all of them follow a biblical line. And what's the last chapter of the uh, New Testament? It is the Book of Revelations and the Apocalypse, where Satan is going to come to destroy the creation of God. It's the, the last and final jihad, right? That's where the devil is coming. And that's the story template, which is working in Middle East, Europe, America, on which is built the Lord of the Rings franchise. I mean, J.K. Rowling can talk anything, but at the end of the day, Harry Potter is a chosen one who is going to fight the devil. Star Wars, you have Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker fighting. It's like the devil, the white, he's dressed in white and black. It can't be more starker than that. It's always white and black, fighting of the devil. And I want to destroy the world as far as Americans are concerned, that's the ultimate devil, right? So every story, they have to now up the ante. Now you can see what's happening in the Marvel world. There's a sense of exhaustion. People are like tired. You know what's true going to happen. You They started making films where they make fun of themselves because they're only going to do the same thing. Um, they'll come together and they'll kill a demon. They'll come together and kill a demon. In Hindu mythology, you know, there's a Rakshasa and then the god comes and kills the demon. Now the, that story is, because those are part of a spiritual narrative to try and make Ramayan step one, that step two, trying to align with the Western narrative, this, uh, apocalypse, which is how Hinduashtra is projected, right? If you do not fight the other, you will be destroyed. So it's an apocalyptic call uh, that uh, the politician is using. So as I said, the irony is the people who say that we are preventing, we want to save ourselves from colonization, and I keep hearing all their intellectuals talking about civilization. You are as west, you're more westernized than. I mean, it, there's nothing to do with Valmiki. There's nothing to do with Vyasa. There's nothing to do with Vedanta. Um, they are everything is about othering and creating Thanos and creating uh, Beelzebub and creating Satan and trying to force Ravan into that template is so tragic that you have turned golden Lanka into a charcoal pile. That's the tragedy. And you have made Ravan the great musician and the great scholar of Ayurveda and astrology, a welder. And you are calling this a dharmic project. I mean, I the irony is like unbelievable, but they genuinely believe it because that's the level of the intellectual discourse. I mean, actually, I was surprised at the young people's outrage. For the first time, you had Marxists getting outraged with Ramayana. <laughs> like, how yeah, do Raman have you and Sandra being held Mar- up and saying that
0: I grew up with this, and how can yes, I made to watch this? Not you had not the
1: remember. most atheist, secular, Marxist people in state of shock. Because at an artistic level, forget about the spiritual level. At an artistic level, it is a travesty.
0: But uh, I still want to go into this, but why don't our villains seem to want more? Why, why do they end at this? Why don't they ever seem to want more than, say, like
1: Ra- Ra- Ravan's
0: ambitions didn't extend beyond, say, acquiring Sita in a sense.
1: The Indian mythology is not based on the external world, but always the internal world. The Western narrative, remember, I'm saying God created the world. So what is God's enemy going to do wanting to destroy the world? Greek mythology does not have uh, villains who want to conquer the world. You have these strange monsters like Medusa and Chimera who are destroyed because they don't fit into the neat Greek template of fitting in a system. So Greek stories are very different from biblical stories. In Greek mythology, the hero is a tragic figure. He succeeds, he becomes great, and he falls, and there's a complex thing, but it's never about conquering the world. The great fights between the giants and the gods is not about, it's about becoming the, the mightiest of them all. This is a very peculiar, both biblical as well as American ambition. It's an imperial ambition of America, Britain, where it's coming from. India's never had these stories. We never, none of our villains wanted to conquer the world. Ramayana and Mahabharata are about property disputes. It's about uh, what is mine and what should be mine and what should be yours. And it's about distribution of wealth and property. How is your wife, my wife? And I, you know, this Ramayana is about uh, that. It's Lanka belongs to Kuber and Ravad has taken it from his brother. It's not his kingdom. It's something that he's taken from his brother. While the opposite is with Ram. Uh, Ram Ram gives his kingdom to Bharat and says, I don't want it. Bharat gives it back to him. So you see in Ayodhya, the conversation, these are not part of Ramayana conversations of Bollywood, right? The property disputes that Ram is saying to Bharat, Ki nahi, you keep it. And Bharat says, no, it's yours. Or for that matter, while on the other side, you have a villain called Ravan who steals the property of his brother. Or your Vali and Sugri fighting over Kishkinda. So it's a property dispute very clearly. I you don't need to be very smart to figure out three kingdoms where three brothers are fighting and one brother is Ram is refusing to fight. Second, Ram is not an ambitious person. He is a king because he's the eldest son. It's his duty. He doesn't want to be king. He has to be king because he's the eldest son. How do you explain this to ambitious politicians, ambitious dialogue writers, ambitious? Filmmakers, they don't understand the idea that Ram is not ambitious. He's doing his dharma, his obligation to be the eldest son, right? He's saving Sita, not because my wife has been taken away. I want my wife back. That's very uh, property oriented. Ram is saying, as a husband, it's my duty to protect my wife. As a king, it is my duty to protect my subject. Therefore, I'm fighting this war. So it's a very clear conversation. It's not a personal, Tune meri patni ko liya, main tujhe mar that's a Bollywood dialogue. That's not Ram's dialogue. Ram is saying, I'm the king. The subjects have to be protected from someone who usurps. Now, these are ideas which are very powerful in literature. Uh, a king's duty is to ensure that everybody's property is protected. And he is both king and husband in the story. And therefore, he is serving himself in the narrative. But the narratives are far more elevated than that. That is what the conversations are. And the stories of loyalty. Kumbhakarna is loyal. Vibhishan chooses that you know, what is right and wrong. You cannot take someone else's wife. I will not be loyal. A politician who loves loyal people cannot fathom the idea. Therefore, he hates a character like Vibhishan because Vibhishan says, no, this is wrong. Think of one Indian politician who will allow that. Not one Indian politician will understand Vibhishan's character. And that is reflective of the writers of the story and these new retellings I always tell people by reading the new retellings, you re- you can understand the personality of these storytellers. They're contrarians who want to make Ravan the hero. There are feminists who want to make Surpanakha uh, a hero. There are politicians who want to make Ravan something like akin to a Muslim raider. They're not seeing what is Lavalmiki trying to communicate. Valmiki is talking about what is mine, what is yours, what is property, what is boundaries, what are hierarchies, how will a God behave in a situation where he is made the prince, uh, the king of Ayodhya. How will he behave? Will he be attached to Ayodhya? And these are the ideas that they're trying to, they're talking about this me or mera, tu or tera, this possessive pronoun, which does not exist. It's cultural words, mine, yours. This is mine. This is yours. These are not natural words. These are cultural words. I'll give you an example. The word Bhagawan. We translate in English as God. It doesn't mean God. The word Bhagawan comes from, you know, the root word is bhaga, which means to cut. Bhaga, between two cuts is a portion. Bhag. So we all, the world's resources are divided amongst us. What is my portion? What is your portion? Who knows the correct way to apportion? Right? That's the fight between socialists and capitalists and all over the world. Bhagavan knows all portions, the one keeper of all the portions, the one who knows to approve. Now, this is not the meaning of Almighty God. It's a different meaning. The Ishwar is perhaps more closer to the concept of Almighty God, the great Ishwara, the master, the Lord. But Bhagavan is more at a material level of what is should be your share, what is a fair share, And that gets even more complicated in Hinduism because we're talking about rebirth. Because your share is not just determined by the merit and the action of what you do now, but what have you done before.
0: Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at toipodcast at timesinternet.in.